know, it's wonderful when God, in the midst of the meeting, uh, confirms that you've brought the right word. And some of the things that have been said in the, uh, the interpretation of the tongue and a few other things have just confirmed to me it is the right thing to bring today. And some of the stuff you've heard, you'll hear again. <laughs> I'd like to talk about something we don't often talk about. Or when we do, we, we talk about it in terms that are not the way the writers of the New Testament talk about it. And that is suffering. Suffering. It's a broad term. It encompasses a lot of things. And for each of us, it means something different. It could be persecution, a battle in our mind, our health, our circumstances, our family, our finances. And I'm sure there's plenty of things on the list that you've experienced that I've not mentioned. You know, I don't know if you're all going to like this message. But we must teach what scripture says and we must teach it as truth even when scripture says things we don't like I think unfortunately in a lot of church today we have a false narrative about suffering and I want us to address it because I believe a false theology on suffering can lead us to discouragement and can lead us to trouble. It means that when hard times come in life, we aren't prepared for them. And we're more likely to get shaken by hard times. So I believe it's important we do talk about suffering. A lot of this, uh, false is a funny word, let's say incorrect teaching on suffering comes through things like the more therapeutic gospel. You know, where the gospel becomes all about self. And it becomes about making us feel good. You know, Jesus died for our self-esteem, our fear. Where it all becomes about the gospel meeting our needs. Where actually the ultimate goal in the Christian life is to be happy and have peace of mind. The therapeutic gospel, I would say, includes the prosperity gospel. The, I can't think of a name for it, but the more that, you know, Jesus has released us from our fears gospel. You know, they, that, that, kind of, um, that kind of thing. Uh, I guess the, yeah. You know the, you know the type I mean. <laughs> The, 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 the lifestyle guru gospel. The gospel that's about making us feel good. Where actually church becomes a, a lifestyle helper. The gospel where we have a right to a happy life without any problems because God owes us that. Can I say this morning that is not the gospel of the New Testament. We have to be very careful, guys, 
who we let speak into our lives. You know, in the times of Paul, actually up until relatively recently, I suppose, you only ever had to deal with a false teacher when they <laughs> rocked up in town. You know, they'd, they'd turn up and people were... Up until then, they weren't quite, you know, there. Uh, with Paul, it was quite often the case when he left his place, somebody else would turn up and go, well, you know why Paul's wrong about everything, don't you? And so Paul then had to write a lot of the letters of the New Testament to correct what was going on in the places he left. Well, now, that kind of thing doesn't just have to turn up in town. They don't have to be just invited into a pulpit. They're available at the click of a button. In fact, an algorithm will send them your way without you even asking sometimes. And just as Paul felt he had to care for and defend those churches he planted, which is why he wrote those letters, I feel the same for you. I'm responsible under God for you guys. Can I say, be careful what you click? That can be on a mouse or a remote control. I don't mind which. And if I ever call somebody's teaching out from here... I'm not doing it just to be contentious. I'm doing it because I want to look after you guys. Is that fair? There's a lot of stuff out there to be careful of. And I'm here to help guide you. Listen, if you have questions about a a branch of theology or a, a church or a teacher, I'm here, ask me. Not now. But we must realize the danger points in false teaching because it leaves us vulnerable. And a false theology on suffering can give us a false idea on what Jesus accomplished on the cross. This idea can, can, be, can be found in churches where on the cross Jesus bore our suffering. You know that's not right, don't you? And we've got to start with that before we go anywhere else. Isaiah 53, 5 says, He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And his, by his wounds, or with his wounds, we are healed. It was for our transgressions. Our iniquity. The wrong things we've done in life. Jesus died for our sins, not our fears. Yes, by his wounds we are healed, but at no point is there any suggestion there that we will not go through life. Hang on, how do you word this? There's no suggestion that we will go through life with no troubles. This is reinforced right throughout the New Testament, Romans 4:25. He was delivered over to death for our trespasses and raised to life for our justification. Jesus died for sin, trespass. 1 Corinthians 15:3, "For I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins." according to the scriptures. Notice it's never said Jesus died for our fear or our self-esteem 
or even to keep us from suffering. And we have to start there with a very clear idea on what Jesus bore on the cross. He bore my sin. Because he bore my sin, I can enter into a relationship with God. I can receive the blessings from God because I am in a right relationship with God, not because of what I've done, but because of what he's done. The cross does not give us a right to have an easy life. It gives us the right to be called children of God. Because our sin is dealt with. The therapeutic gospel, the health and wealth gospel say, well, you shouldn't be suffering. You should be blessed, my brother. If you're suffering, then something's up. You don't have enough faith. Or you're not given enough money. You know, if we live with this theology that we should be blessed and not suffer, that gets us down those roads because it makes us ask questions. When suffering comes along, we go, how do we cope with it? What do I do? We start asking all these questions. God, why? Why am I going through this? Why are you allowing this, God? I thought I was living in the blessing. Have I done something wrong? Are you mad at me? Oh, maybe this is the attack of the enemy. That, that must be it. You see, we need a different understanding because it can lead to a different way of reacting to hard times. We've got to have a robust, firm theology on suffering. Or when suffering comes, we will not be prepared. And that is a dangerous place to be. When hard times come, or when they will, we can start to spiral. We can start doubting God. We can find ourselves on this sort of quicksand. We have, yeah, we have, we have these both sides where if, if, if we're going through it, oh, is it because I'm not showing enough faith? Is it attack or is it just actually the fact we live on a fallen world? And the Bible actually tells us to be prepared for this. The New Testament teaching on suffering is very different to the health and wealth therapeutic gospel that we so often hear. The New Testament doesn't just tell us that suffering is unavoidable. But that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you should actively expect it. And what's more, the New Testament teaches us, not only should you expect it, you should embrace it. Jesus said to expect it. John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. But, take heart. I have overcome the world. Notice what it says there. It doesn't say you might have trouble. It says you will have trouble. But take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. When circumstances threaten to overwhelm you, remember Jesus has overcome the world. 
whatever this world throws at you, will ultimately be overcome because of what Jesus has done. Because of what Jesus has done, this world can throw anything it wants at you, but you <laughs> will outlive this world. When this world's rolled up like a scroll, you'll still be knocking around. Yes, there's going to be curveballs. Some of which will be very hard to get past. Some of which will knock us from our feet. But when we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, when we turn our eyes upon Jesus, I didn't know you were going to sing that song. We are keeping our eyes fixed on the one who has overcome the world and is with you every step of the way through it. It may feel sometimes like it's too much for you. It's not too much for him. We might ask, why? Why, God? And there's many reasons. We live in a fallen, broken, messed up world. We are people with bodies that are fallen and messed up. And ultimately, the end for all of us is death. I mean, we spoke about that a few weeks ago. The trouble with death, it's kind of messy. You know, it's always going to be messy. I mean, we all want to go in our sleep. Does not always happen, does it? You know, nobody's getting out of this alive. Unless Jesus comes back first. Sometimes, sometimes, and, and these are t things to pray about, is sometimes the Lord does need to chastise us for our own good. That's never easy to go through, but it's necessary. Life on this planet can be difficult and tragic. I don't normally do this, but I kind of, kind of get an amen for that one. <laughs> it is. But more than that, not only is this world fallen, because we are in Christ, much of this world will actively be working against us. We suffer for the same reason that Jesus suffered, is that the darkness hates the light. Because some of our suffering, and we need to realize this, will come through persecution. Jesus warned us again, it would come. Matthew 5.10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Paul affirms this as well. Paul says in 2 Timothy 3.12, everyone, everyone, I'm going to say that again, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, I know sometimes passages can be a little open to interpretation. But they seem pretty clear. 
we will be persecuted if we are living righteously, if we are wanting to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, expect persecution. Now, you might be sat there today, or, you know, down there in home, thinking, well, you know, I don't feel very persecuted. <laughs> well, first question to ask yourself is this. <laughs> Am I living a godly life? <laughs> Not just in here, <laughs> but out there. Am I living a righteous life? Because that standard is what brings about persecution. But also we need to realize something as well, that in the West at the moment, we have this unusual state of Christian acceptance. That is not the norm across the world. And is not the norm throughout history. We're like in this little, this little comfortable bubble. No, not a bubble, because bubbles pop like that. Balloon. That, uh, you know when you've had a balloon for a couple of weeks, it begins to sort of shrink down and shrink down and shrink down. And I think that's happening to our, our balloon. That Christian acceptance is getting closer to an end than fa faster than we might have expected it to. But we do live in a very strange, comfortable place to be a Christian. Certainly we have for the past few years. I, I, don't, I don't see that continuing. But this, it, it, it kind of has a weird effect on us sometimes as well. Is where Because we're not suffering persecution, we go looking for it. <laughs> You know, that uh, it's not there. I'm supposed to be being persecuted. So you have an argument with someone who's not a Christian. I'm being persecuted. <laughs> or we don't get our way on something. I'm being persecuted. Church, we need to be very careful we're not the church that cried persecution. <laughs> because when the wolf comes, and it will... We want to make sure that we're in the right place. So maybe today you don't feel persecution. But I tell you, even when you're trying to share with relatives or friends, even when you take a stand against something, oh, you get it, don't you? You get it. Paul in the book of Romans actually ties suffering as something we should go through. That actually it's our suffering that heaven becomes more of a priority in our lives. Romans 8 verses 16 to 18. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. That's great. And if children, then heirs. Great, this passage is good. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. I'm loving this passage. Hang on. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may be glorified with him. For I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us, to us. So in some ways, Paul is saying here, look, if Jesus suffered for you, why would you ever think you wouldn't have to suffer for him? But in that suffering, there's hope. There's something greater. 
something coming that will make this suffering you're going through feel like nothing. And that's the glory to be revealed in us. So Paul says we suffer with him. James has a wonderful attitude to trouble. James 1 verses 2 to 4. James approaches it like this. He says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And that steadfastness in its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So James is saying suffering makes you better. Now Amelia shared last week at Stockton, and I'm going to steal something from her. I do that quite often, but now she's shared up front, I have to um, give credit. She said, trust is like a badge of honor that can only be earned through battle. See, it's only through the testing of our faith that our faith can get tested. It's only through going through hard times that steadfastness can grow in our lives. Nobody can be steadfast without coming against something. You know, we were a bit like diamonds. If you want to make a diamond, do you know how you make a diamond? You get carbon, and then you apply pressure more and more and more, and you apply heat and pressure, heat and pressure, and you crush it, and you crush it, and it becomes a diamond. No pressure. No sparkle. You cannot learn steadfastness. You can't have a growing faith without going through some stuff. Can I just do a very quick show of hands? Who's gone through some stuff? Yeah? Well, that's produced some steadfastness in you. That wouldn't have been there without it. There can be divine purpose in suffering. Paul agrees with James. He highlights how suffering actually builds us up. James says, count it all joy. Paul says, rejoice. That's the same thing. Hmm. Romans 5, verses 3 to 5, he says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. I wonder if that's the same as steadfastness. I think it might be. And endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So James talks about steadfastness. Paul talks about it building endurance and that leads to character. Now having character and being a character not the same thing. 
So I think it is extremely clear in Scripture that suffering will come to everyone who wants to live a godly life. Actually, it's, it's all who seek to live a godly life. You don't have to be successful. It's clear that suffering gives us a focus when we think of the hope that we have in heaven. And it's clear that suffering has a positive effect on us. But there's also a huge New Testament teaching we don't often talk about. And that is by suffering, we draw closer to Jesus. You know, Jesus suffered. He was described as the suffering servant. A man of sorrows. Well acquainted with grief. He was despised. He was rejected by men. And the New Testament writers talk about us getting closer to Jesus by sharing in his suffering. 2 Corinthians, this is Paul, 2 Corinthians 1 verses 3 to 10 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. By the way, I'm just going to pause there for a second. You know, some of the stuff we go through helps us when other people go through it. None of that's wasted. I've lost my spot. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort which you experience Ooh. when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope is for you, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. He's not just talking about sharing in the sufferings of Christ there, but in each other's. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope and he will deliver us again. My goodness, you can unpack so much there. Yeah, I could spend a whole series on just that one passage. But I just want to pick up on a couple of things. Paul talks about sharing in suffering and in comfort. In fact, he links these two things together, that one of them leads to the other. As we share 
in suffering, we also share in comfort. Church, we should be grieving together. When one of us suffers, all of us should be suffering. When one of us is comforted, all of us should be comforted. We know that's the way it should be. I don't know if that's the way it always is. I know it's what I'm striving for. That we have that unity. That when one of us is hurt and the others feel the pain. Paul then shares about some experience he had in Asia. Where it got so bad for Paul. He was at a place where he was so burdened. He was suffering so much. He reached the end of his strength. In fact, as he says, we despaired of life itself. It got so bad. Paul would rather have been dead. Paul. Now I'm focusing on this for a moment because I feel this is so important to reckon with. Paul, the great apostle Paul, went through something so bad, he despaired of his own life. You know, if Paul had stood up and said that in a church nowadays, he probably wouldn't have been asked back. despaired of his own life but he came through it and he realized that in it first of all it made him rely more on God but also it helped him help others it allowed him to be a help to the churches that he had been that as they share in his suffering they can also share in his comfort this time strengthened Paul. It made him better. It helped him set his hope on God. And that he ends that passage by saying, He delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. See, Paul is facing this with a positivity that he didn't have last time. And he says, on him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. See, Paul was strengthened through that first time. Because the suffering brought him closer to Jesus. We need to learn this lesson, church. To let the trials and the testings and even the times that we despair of life itself. Not to set us back, but to propel us forwards. Paul talks about how we should expect, no, not Paul, Peter talks about how we should expect to go through hard times. He says hard times should not come as a shock. 1 Peter 4 verses 12 to 14, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange was happening to you. But rejoice 
insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, we're back to that again, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, oh, get this, you are blessed because the spirit and glory of God rests upon you. Listen, if someone's bringing you down because you believe in Jesus, you are blessed. If someone's giving you a hard time because of your faith, you are blessed. Don't be surprised. It's amazing. You know, the health and wealth, the therapeutic gospel really can't reckon with these passages. And it's amazing how often, guys, we are surprised when the trial, the fiery trial, comes. We go, whoa, wasn't expecting that. Was not expecting that. As though something strange is happening. Peter says, no, don't be surprised. We go, like, God, that wasn't part of the deal. But Peter's clear. Don't be surprised. It is going to happen. It's always been part of the deal. Instead, rejoice. If something's going wrong in your life, hey, maybe it's a sign you're doing something right. Rejoice. If you're insulted, you're blessed. Blessed because it means you're making a stand, but it also means, oh, bless God, I'm suffering like Jesus suffered. It's you never hear this attitude, but it's just exuding out of Peter. He said, don't flee suffering, rejoice when suffering comes. Oh, I've never heard a song do that before. Rejoice, rejoice, suffering's happening. <laughs> When you're persecuted, don't take it as a sign you're in the wrong place. Take it as a sign you're in the right place. You know, it's good to have memory verses. Excellent idea to have memory verses. You can pull them out whenever you need them. This is a good memory verse. It's worth memorizing. We have to see suffering like the New Testament sees suffering. Where it's it's not just a certainty, it's a necessity. Suffering puts us in a place where our will breaks to allow his will to move. Suffering puts our hope in heaven. Suffering draws us closer to Jesus. It helps us identify with him. And it helps us become more like him. Suffering shapes us. Molds us. It builds our character. It builds our trust. It builds our faith. I know a lot of you have been through a lot of stuff. Just looking around the room now. But you wouldn't be the people you are today without it.
key with suffering is not avoiding it because that's impossible. The key is to endure it. In the parable of the sower, Jesus talked about how difficult times can affect us. Matthew 13, verses 20 to 21, he says, What was sown on rocky ground? This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet, he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. That's a lot of people's stories. See, endurance has to go the distance. When we endure, we don't just come through to the other side. We come through the other side different. Paul endured suffering. And the suffering made him. And his advice to others is endure it. 2 Timothy 4 verse 5 says, As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of evangelists. Fulfill your ministry. His advice to Timothy is, suffering's going to come. Endure it. 1 Corinthians 4, 12. His advice to them is, when reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. Now the big question, of course, is how? <laughs> I wish I knew. <laughs> no. First, remember, Jesus said, although you will have trouble, remember he also said at the same time, take heart, for he has overcome the world. In hard times, we press into Jesus. Turn our eyes upon Jesus. The, the, the interpretation of the tongue said the same thing today. Keep close to Jesus. When you abide under the shadow of his wings, you're putting yourself in the safest place possible. Now, I, I have a friend who... Um, was a cameraman, I worked with him at God TV, and he was asked to go to Iraq. And this was, you know, this was when it was bad in Iraq. And to, it was to record some programs, and, and he, he prayed about it. His wife wasn't best pleased, but he prayed about it. And said, God just gave him such a peace about it. And I asked him before he went, are you scared? Are you worried? And he said, no. Because the safest place to ever be is in the will of God. You know, when we go through hard times, when we're shaken, when we're persecuted, remember the safest place to ever be, right in the will of God. See, the temptation when hard times comes is to actually to pull away. Yeah? I'm, I'm, I'm struggling at the moment. I'm not going to go to church today. I can't. I can't be, can't be fussed with all that. Or, or, or I'm not going to. God, it's been a rotten day. I'm not going to pray. 
That's the most dangerous way to react. Instead, we should be pressing further into him. Can I encourage you today? I don't know how things are going for everybody today. I know some people are going through some hard stuff. But not everybody. Use the times when you're not suffering to get good habits in place for when you are. When troubles come, bring them to Jesus. Trust Jesus. Speak to Jesus. For Jesus has overcome the world. You know, Satan has already lost. There will be times in life where you need to batten down the hatches, get into the secret place, and hold on to Jesus for dear life. Don't let hard times rob you of the place of prayer. Let hard times highlight the importance of the place of prayer. Let those times as well be a reminder to you. This world is not your home. Your hope is in heaven. Let these present sufferings not even be called worthy to be compared with what's coming. Let the trials of this life grow your hope in the next one. Let these times be the ones where you learn to trust Jesus despite the circumstances. Earn that badge. Earn that badge of trust. Let these be times where you can sit in the middle of a storm. Bless God, for he is good. You know, we had a prayer request out this week for John Hibbert. He's really been through the mill. He's still in hospital at the moment. He's just... But we, we meet for prayer every Thursday on the Zoom prayer, which you're all welcome to. Um, but John, I mean, he's not been well for a while. You know? And he's been in a lot of pain. But every time he says, no, I'm not doing well, but bless God. God is good. That's an attitude to have. You know, I didn't, I don't want to share this message for it to be a downer. <laughs> and there was times I wondered, you know, persecution's definitely going to come. Suffering's definitely going to come. Embrace the suffering. It's not meant to be a downer, but it's meant to give us a steel that will withstand the storms the enemy throws at us. If we press into Jesus, listen, the storm that might be able to knock you down can't knock him down. When suffering comes, don't let it break you. Let it make you. And you know if it rhymes, it's true. <laughs> Get to that place where you can count it as joy. We need a robustness when we think about suffering. So that when suffering comes, it doesn't knock us away from Jesus, but puts us closer into him. Suffering. It is a broad term. It encompasses a lot. Persecution. The battle in our minds. Our health. Our circumstances. Our family. Our finance. 
There's a lot. There's more than those things. Suffering is a broad thing. I thank God the solution isn't broad. It's just Jesus. And any of these things we're going through, we can bring to Jesus in prayer. And I think, I think that's what we're going to do next. I think it would be good to pray. We are thinking to say, of course it's good to pray. But I just feel like it would be good to pray. If, um, if Barbara and Denise could come up and just sing. Um, but I just want to open this up. Look, there's a lot of different types of suffering. But there's one solution to all of it. If you want prayer this morning for some suffering in your life or some suffering in your family or, you know, your, your world, I'd love the opportunity for us to pray for each other and to give it to Jesus and to press into Jesus. But we're not going to pray necessarily for solutions to the problems this morning. We're going to pray for the strength to endure, to embrace the suffering, to learn to let the suffering make us and not break us. That's what we're going to pray for. Let's stand, church. And as we sing, we're going to pray. I'm going to pray before we start. Father God, help us be in that place that James was, where he learned to rejoice when the fiery trials came upon him because it was an opportunity to get closer to you. I pray, Lord, grow that in us. Grow that in us, Lord, that we will see suffering the way Paul saw suffering, the way James saw suffering, the way Peter saw suffering, the way you see suffering. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for the strength to endure. Amen.